Hello and welcome back to another episode of the It's a Crime O'Clock Somewhere podcast. This is episode 60. Today I will be talking about the murder of Wendy Trapaga. My sources for today's episode are Dateline, Season 22, Episode 37, Mystery in South Beach, MiamiHerald.com, DailyMail.co.uk, CBSNews.com, VerdictSearch.com, NBCMiami.com, Miami.CBSLocal.com, Local10.com, and TampaBay.com. As usual, all of my sources will be linked in today's show notes. My question is why. I didn't need who. My only question was why. They were beautiful people in Miami's sizzling South Beach. Singles who became lovers. And then newlyweds. They were still on their honeymoon. Only married four days when this young bride was murdered. Wendy Chapaga was only 21 years old when she lost her life. She was described as model pretty... She loved animals and at one point had wanted to be a veterinarian. However, she had allergies, so she became interested in makeup and fashion. After graduation, Wendy enrolled in beauty school, and this is where she met Michelle Escouto. Michelle was a self-taught web designer who also taught computer classes, and he too had been looking for a career change and enrolled in the same beauty school as Wendy. Michelle and Wendy soon fell hard for each other. Within six months, they moved in together and Wendy was pregnant. Wendy's mom, Miriam, had mixed feelings, as well as the rest of Wendy's family, including her two older sisters. They were again surprised when Michelle and Wendy decided to get married at City Hall in October October 2002. After their wedding, Wendy and Michelle went down to Key West for a weekend honeymoon. Three days later, they were back in South Beach. Wendy told her mom that she and Michelle were going to go out to the movies and then dancing at a nightclub. The next morning, Michelle called Miriam around 5.48 a.m. looking for Wendy. He told her that he and Wendy had had an argument and that she said that she had said she was going to stay with her mom. Michelle had tried calling her, but there was no answer. A sanitation worker eventually found a woman's body in between two vehicles in a parking lot of a desolate warehouse. She was found wearing a blue dress just like the one Wendy had last been seen in, and it was in fact Wendy, and she had been beaten to death. The Miami-Dade police soon arrived at the scene. They found blood spatter all over the van. Wendy had been killed in that parking lot and left to die there. Wendy's head had been bashed in, but no murder weapon was found. Two hours after Michelle had called Miriam, he met her at the school where she worked. He appeared disheveled and worried. The police later went to Michelle's to deliver the news. When he answered the door, he seemed to know that Wendy was dead. We walked into his apartment. When he blurted out, is she dead? And we explained that we're investigating the death of Wendy, etc. He started bawling up. Michelle went down to the police station to answer some questions. He was questioned for 14 hours. The police asked Michelle about their honeymoon. Michelle said that Wendy had told him that she wanted to spice up their relationship. Michelle said they had checked into a motel known for fantasies. It had a pool and a jacuzzi. Michelle said they had sex and Wendy dozed off in the jacuzzi. The couple checked out of the motel around 4 a.m. and went home. Michelle said that's when they had their argument. He walked into the apartment, leaving Wendy in the car. Michelle said he walked back outside, but Wendy and the car were gone. During their 14-hour interview with Michelle, the police learned that Michelle and Wendy had become involved in the swinger lifestyle. The police went to a club called Miami Velvet. They learned from Michelle that they had become involved with other couples there, but that the lifestyle had nothing to do with Wendy's death.
a former girlfriend of Michelle's named Yolanda Cerillo came forward. Yolanda Cerillo is a person that had a relationship with Michelle before he met the victim. According to her, Michelle left her for Wendy. Yolanda seemed to be bitter over the fact that Michelle had left her for Wendy. Yolanda was still in love with him and had been devastated by the breakup. The police also learned that Michelle had asked Yolanda to watch his dog for him while he and Wendy went on their honeymoon. Ouch. The police had their eyes on Yolanda. She was brought in for questioning, and she admitted to being devastated by the breakup, but she said she knew nothing about Wendy's death. However, Yolanda did only live a few minutes from where Wendy's body was found. The police also learned that Michelle had quite a large life insurance policy out on Wendy. It was a $1 million policy, which was odd because they hadn't even been married when he filed it. Michelle said he didn't think it was weird because he had one on himself. Michelle also told the police that the argument that they had that night was over Wendy not actually being pregnant. She had lied to him. Michelle refused to take a polygraph test or let the police take photos of bruises that he had on his arm. He also showed no emotion, which caught the attention of the police. Wendy's family was suspicious of Michelle and knew that he had somehow been involved. Call it bad energy. I shook that man's hand and I was wiping my hand right after I let it go. Two months after Wendy's death, Michelle filed for the payout. The life insurance, life insurance company wouldn't give it to him because the case was still unsolved. So Michelle sued Metropolitan Life Insurance for not giving him the payout. Wendy's family hired lawyer Jorge Barone. Two years after Wendy's death, Wendy's family filed a wrongful death suit against Michelle. They fought in civil court, and Michelle would have to testify if he wanted the money. In Michelle's deposition, he admitted to moving back in with Yolanda and having a relationship with her once again. Are you still um, intimate with uh, Yolanda? Yes, we are. Do you have any plans of marrying Yolanda? Yolanda had admitted that she made Michelle and Wendy's hotel reservation for that fantasy hotel. On the night of Wendy's murder, Michelle had paged Yolanda very early in the morning, around 3 a.m. Michelle said that he wanted to check on Yolanda's sick daughter, who had never actually been sick. On the second day of the wrongful death trial, Michelle didn't show up. Wendy's mom, Miriam, collected the insurance money. Three days later, Michelle was arrested for the murder of Wendy. In 2006, Yolanda went to the prosecution for a deal. She was granted full immunity if she told how she had helped Michelle kill Wendy. Michelle, of course, pleaded not guilty. At trial, the prosecution said that Michelle's motive was the insurance money. On an unsuspecting 21-year-old girl and marry her. Four days, four days after that marriage, this defendant bludgeoned and strangled Wendy Trapaga to death. The prosecution said Michelle never loved Wendy but used her just to get her life insurance policy. Among those who testified, Miriam testified with the help of a translator that she was surprised about the insurance policy. One of the investigators, Maria Madero, testified that she knew Michelle was involved because of his lack of emotion. Michelle was a pre- Michelle was portrayed as a moocher. One of his exes testified that she gave him a lot of money over the years that they were together. Yolanda Cerillo was the prosecution's star witness. Yolanda said she then confronted Escoto in this restaurant parking lot and heard for the first time, she said, that his impending marriage to Wendy was all a sham, that in the end he'd come back to Yolanda with pockets full of cash. 
He said to calm down. That it was all a plan. That he didn't love her, he loved me. Yolanda said Michelle had planned to kill Wendy by drugging her with pills and drowning her in that fantasy motel. Yolanda said she and Michelle had even practiced. Michelle had shoved her underwater, but she told him that he needed to use a towel so he didn't leave bruises on Wendy. Yolanda had also helped Michelle crush pills into a drink for Wendy. He came over and he brought some Percocet pills. And he and I started squishing them in, um, I think it's a mortar and pestle thing. Well, what was he going to do with the Percocet pills that you ground? He was going to give it to her so she would be drugged. Michelle had attempted to kill Wendy once before the motel, but Wendy noticed that the drink had a weird taste, so she didn't finish it. Then Michelle said he couldn't drown Wendy at the motel. She had finished the drink that night. Michelle then drove a passed out Wendy over to Yolanda's house. Yolanda said that Michelle had ordered her to get to follow him in the car. They drove to the abandoned warehouse. Michelle got out of the car and said he'd be back in 20 to 25 minutes. Yolanda said when he returned, he was covered in blood and carrying a tire iron. Yolanda said Michelle threw the tire iron in the bay. She drove Michelle home and then discarded his bloody clothes in a dumpster. Happy with yourself? No. I'm worthless. That's how I feel right now. Is this about you? No, it's not. It's about a mother who lost her daughter and I had something to do with it. Michelle acted as his own defense attorney. His stand-in attorney was Terry Lanneman. Lanneman claimed that there was no DNA or murder weapon linking Michelle to the crime. Michelle seemed very stressed at trial, even almost falling over at one point. However, he did let out quite a few bursts of anger, which was good for the prosecution. The medical examiner testified that Wendy's injuries showed that several people had killed her and that one of the killers would have to be right-handed. Michelle was left-handed. They also said that Wendy's toxicology report showed that she had normal doses of prescription drugs in her system. Michelle's DNA had not been found on Wendy's clothing. However, DNA from two unknown males and one female had been found. The defense said Yolanda could have killed Wendy. They portrayed Yolanda as a liar. Michelle and Yolanda went at each other in court as he defended himself. I felt the strength because she took you from me, yes. I hated what she stood for. I didn't know who she was. I didn't. I hated the whole situation. I hated that you left. And did you wish she was dead? I wish you would go away. At one point, Michelle even asked Yolanda if he had smelled when he come, came back to the car, and Yolanda said yes and that he appeared unshaven. After a seven-week trial, the prosecution and defense had their closing arguments. I charge her. I'd love to. But I can't. And she came in here, and she filled in the details. Michelle asked the judge if Terry Lenneman could take over, and they agreed. This is a court of law. And no matter how much I scream as an advocate, no matter how much I wave my hands or say, villain, 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 bad, villain, villain, it doesn't make it so. Lenneman's strategy was to plant a seed of doubt in just one juror's mind. The jury deliberated for two and a half hours and found Michelle guilty. After the trial, Wendy's family sued Yolanda for Wendy's wrongful death. They were awarded $44 million, but know that they will never see that money. 
Michelle was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. He said he was innocent, but Wendy's family don't believe him. And I just sat back and felt that I could breathe for the first time in so long. And I just felt that she was finally at peace. What a horrific case. A young woman with her whole life ahead of her was killed over some damn money. Another woman helped kill her and now is walking free because the prosecution had to make a deal with the devil. Yolanda should be rotting in prison alongside her scum boyfriend. Michelle is a monster and deserves to rot in prison. My book recommendation for this week is Worse Than Murder by Stephen Weschelblatt. Summary. Homicide detective John Carver thought he'd seen it all. But when a young woman's body is discovered floating in the rooftop water tank at a Skid Row hotel and a local New Age psychic claims to have seen that young woman moments before her death, Carver quickly realizes he's on in unfamiliar territory. Soon he's thrust into an investigation that makes him question everything he believes in and terrifyingly finds his own daughter, the same age as the victim, caught up in the case. Reluctantly working with the psychic, Carver begins to unlock a decades-old mystery and comes face-to-face -face with what he can only describe as true evil. This is very similar to the Elisa Lamb case, which is probably one of my top 10 favorite cases to hear about. It's still so bizarre to this day, and this book is very much a ripped-from-the-headlines book with a few twists and turns. I really enjoyed it, and it was entertaining yet haunting. I give this book an 8 out of 10. I hope you all enjoyed today's episode. I'd love to know what you think. Do you think Michelle is innocent or guilty? And what do you think about Yolanda getting off scot-free? Please subscribe to my blog, follow me on Instagram and Twitter, buy me a coffee, leave me a five-star review and rating. I'd really appreciate it. Also, please let me know what cases you'd like me to cover. I love hearing from you guys. I'll be back next week with an all-new case and book recommendation. And remember, it's crime o'clock somewhere.